0: ويتخو عشم الهيكاي
1: A seven year old child who is living with her mother and father, you know, in an out of town community. The father is a principal uh, in a big school, and the father talks to the seven year old and to his other children about. They're expecting some very special visitors, some young boys who are going to come and help them out uh, for a year's time, uh, spend some time with the community, help out some of the teachers, do some tutoring, very excited, building up the excitement in the home about this, these couple of young men that are coming to visit their community sure enough, these young men come into their home, they're hosted in their house and one of the boys starts building a relationship with the kids in the home you know, uh, making jokes, uh, playing around and slowly this turns in a direction of molestation where the boy, one of the boys um is what they would call grooming this 7 year old in starting to touch her and uh, in ways that are not appropriate at first she's a little nervous but he's very friendly she wants to find favor in his eyes It's a young man that has been sort of welcomed by her father, by her mother, by the community, liked by everyone. And it's very difficult for her to react to what he's doing and totally confusing. And of course, the story goes on that eventually there is a total level of molestation in inappropriate ways. So this is a story of a young person from the outside being welcomed into a home. Now, what it seems like that some of the research, and again, when I say research in all of my lectures, in all of our classes here, it's a, you know, research is very, very limited and it is depending upon time, what the questions were asked. But some of the research shows that this is what they would call a crime of opportunity. It presents itself. It's sort of easy. It becomes an easy thing to do. So here it's a young man from the outside. Sometimes it's a sibling. Sometimes it's a very close friends, child, somebody very close to the family. And even though a mother and a father may know and may be aware that they need to be careful about molestation in general, they won't be looking in that direction because they're afraid of some weird person or some person from the outside that's going to hurt their child which is also sometimes the case but a great percentage as we will learn is actually perpetrated by people we know in our homes in our communities whether it's brothers sisters uncles aunts parents grandparents and of course coaches Um, teachers, all people that are trusted by the child. So the question is, how do we protect our children? How do we empower our children beforehand in a way that they can protect themselves? So the first level of protection is that actually parents have to understand and know that there is a danger. What's interesting to me is that many parents are not really interested in listening to stories of molestation because they don't think that it's happening in their own homes. They don't believe it. They they don't think it's a possibility. They think it belongs somewhere else. It's not happening in their environment. But as you'll see, it's happening in our environment. It's very close to home. Very, very close to home. So the first level that has to happen is that parents have to start understanding that this could happen to their own child with the closest people around them, the closest people around them. So how do you start preparing yourself first and then your children for that possibility? So the first thing that needs to happen is that you need to get educated. As a parent, you need to start knowing and understanding that it can happen everywhere around you in all kinds of environments. And then, once you understand it, you need to start speaking to your children. So, first thing that happens is the parents say, won't I scare my children unnecessarily by talking about molestation? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to scare them? So, if you realize that teaching your children and telling them about molestation is almost like talking to them about not crossing the street where a car would, God forbid, hit them. It's common. You just keep on talking about things that will hurt your child. It has to be almost normalized in a way that a child needs to understand that this is something she or he needs to be careful about. The second thing is... So, okay, but how can I talk about sexual abuse? So, as I said, the first thing you need to do is becoming acquainted with yourself. And then you start bringing your children into your world. So, we'll talk about some of the tips in protecting your children from this sexual abuse. Number one, teach your children about the safety and the difference between okay and not okay touches there's different kinds of touching talk, talk about touching that feels good like a hug, a hug or something that's comforting touching that feels bad is like hitting and pinching and then there's touching that feels funny or uh oh for example the touch, touching that if somebody touches you in your private parts and that has to be explained whether it's on purpose or accidentally it's not appropriate for anyone to touch you in your private parts number two children need to be told that they have a right to make decisions about their own bodies being touched empower empower them to say no they don't want to be touched even for example in non-sexual ways Politely refusing a hug. Just, I don't want to be hugged. And to say no to touching of others, if they're being told to touch others. Tell your children to firmly be able to say no. Anyone who tries to touch him or her, tell her about her and his rights to be able to say no. So it's not about strangers here. It's about everyone. Their bodies belong to them, and no one has the right to touch them without permission. Um, Children have traditionally been taught to comply with adults' requests. So this is something that falls into that environment. Well, if if an adult tells you that you need to do something, you need to listen. So you have to always almost differentiate between what kind of adult listening you do and what kind of adult listening you don't do. So, if, obviously, if children are also taught the names of the body parts, and it doesn't have to be the body parts of the, you know, the anatomy in a the, in the scientific way, but if you have a familial, a familial euphemism, a word that's used among the family, to explain the private private parts of the body, you tell them this is where they can't be touched. Or so maybe in general, it could be said anywhere that your bathing suit would be covering, if you wear it tsniastically, with modesty. Number two, make your children understand that adults and older children never need to help. Never need help with their own own private parts with bathing or going to the bathroom. This is some of the things that children are told. Adults and older children don't need help. You will not help them. Number four, teach children to take care care of their own private parts. In other words, like they're bathing, they're wiping themselves after going to the bathrooms. They don't have to rely on older children to help them. Again, remember, it's a crime of opportunity. It. If they allow themselves, it almost like invites someone else to be able to do it easily and then it is a downward spiraling environment. The next thing is secrets. Being asked to keep unpleasant secrets of abuse. If there's one central clue to possible actual sexual abuse is if children suddenly are withdrawn into secrecy. No adult or older child has the right to ask a child, you need to tell them, to keep a secret or unpleasant secret. Explain to your child the difference, with, the difference between a good secret and a bad secret. A good secret is something pleasant or fun. You know, there's going to be a birthday party and we're not going to tell anybody. Daddy is going to buy you, buy mommy a gift. Daddy is going to, Tati is going to buy a gift for you or for someone else. And we're going to get something new and we're going to get a new car. We're going to get something new in the family. That's a secret you keep, but not something that you have to keep forever. These are secrets that will be revealed as soon as we find out from others what it is that's going to be brought into the house. Your child can say, no, and he can say, my family doesn't allow bad secrets. And avoid, number six is avoid focusing exclusively on stranger danger. Keep in mind that most children are abused by someone they know and trust, so you need to remember that. Number seven, trust your instincts. If you feel uneasy about leaving a child with someone, don't do it. If you're concerned about a possible abuse, ask questions to your child and the people around you. Reassure your child, number eight, that he or she can talk to you about anything at all. I want to stop here for a minute. How do you open that door? If your rules are not harsh with your children, if you're not screaming at them if they're not afraid of you they know they can talk to you this is important for them for a child to know that their mother or father will listen to what it is that they have to say if they say Mrs. Brown is, is, is um, you know is, uh, is being strange in her classroom and she's being strange to me you need to be listening to what they're saying if the babysitter you know I don't like the babysitter what is that? don't scare kids into doing things that you want to do because then they'll be scared to tell you what it is that is happening in their own lives number 9 ask lots of questions about your child's day at school at camp or with the babysitter or tutor or with the coach reassure your child that's number 10 that if something happened or he or she is not to bl- that she or she will not be to blame And you will not be angry or upset. You need to allow for them to be able to speak to you. Number eleven is role play with them. Role play with them. This means that it becomes who they are. About ways to respond if someone touches them. Or him or her. And what to do. You actually say you know, if something touches you in, 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 in your private part, what are you going to say? And let the child come up with the response of what they would say, what they have learned from you. They can trust their feelings. You need to tell them about the kinds of touching and always ask a trusted adult if they're not sure. In other words, you have to allow for them to communicate with adults. the other thing is that you play with them again as I said what if games and they are allowed to be able to practice because in what they've learned is that children will tell stories later that they knew something was wrong but they didn't have the language they didn't have the empowerment and they didn't have the practice almost to be able to say no people will say I can't believe I didn't say no. We're talking about adult children who are now remembering when they were five, six, seven, eight, or nine. I can't believe I allowed it to go on. Why didn't I say no? So if you play act with it, they will learn to say no. Number twelve, they can tell their parents. In other words, we open the door if they can tell you about... Behaviors that are uncomfortable to them. So, for example, if they see, you know, a, a great aunt that has a little bit of whiskers and they want to understand why that's so, don't say, don't talk about this, we don't talk about this. Explain. Because if there's going to be things that the child won't be able to talk about, then there's going to be things that the child won't be able to talk about when something happens to them. Speak to your child calmly when talking about molestation and safety trust your intuition if something go if something if something does not feel right act on it parents have told me many times and that's what i read and all the research shows this they felt something was wrong i should have acted on it i was too busy i just wasn't thinking so you need to be thinking as a parent you need to be thinking continually open your eyes and be aware now there is these are things you need to start practicing in your home i want to tell you that one of the most powerful things you can do with your children is if you create an engaging relationship with them and specifically the father creates a engaging relationship this is what statistics say with their sons or their daughters and we're talking about if ideally it's every night for 10-15 minutes father sits down with one child at a time and just engages with them no answering texts no cell phones just eye-to-eye, eye, not with an agenda, not with lecture, but listening to what the child wants to say, wants to talk to you about, wants to ask you questions, wants to maybe play checkers, but eye-to-eye eye across from one another. Parents will tell me, well, you know, I, I take my child to school, I, you know, I spend time with him. No, we're talking about child one, one-on-one, whether you go out to pizza, you go out to coffee, you go out, you sit down in a park eye-to-eye eye, with one child at a time. If you do that, you create an open environment with your children of engagement. And if the child trusts you and knows what it is that he can say to you and not say to you, that they have an openness or, a, or an engaged a relationship with you, then they will tell you if anything goes wrong, even before it goes wrong, not that you will find out later. Second of all, ultimately, just as a side effect, when the when time a child is 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, when their hormones start kicking and their adolescents, you know, uh, frontal cortexes start pushing them to, to push the envelope, if they're engaged in a relationship with their dad, this is what research shows, they will ultimately not do something that the father Values or go against the values of the father. So ultimately, if you are engaged with your kid, you will stop a lot of things that they will not allow for things to be done to them or they won't do to others. I just want to uh, open up the first curriculum uh, or the only curriculum that we're going to have today about. in about the uh, uh, Hayom Yom on the the this, this 22nd of Shvat, which, uh, which what it's written over there is that my father proclaimed Erefabrengin. This is the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe saying, just as wearing tefillin every day is a mitzvah commanded by the Torah to every individ- individual, regardless of a standing in Torah whether deeply learned or learned or simple so too is it an absolute duty for every person to spend a half an hour every day thinking about the Torah education of children and to do everything in his power and beyond his power to inspire children to follow the path along which they are being guided so If you think about that half an hour, and you've divided 10 minutes per kid, 3 kids per night, if you've got 6 kids, if you've got 9 kids, if you've got 15 kids, every kid gets 10 minutes of actual, not just thinking, but you will actually engage with them. That will hold back the possibility of them being molested in any way possible because you will be engaged and they will be telling you as soon as something is wrong in their lives instead of doing it after it happened and the suffering that goes on afterwards. Always remember rem- remember that you are the most important person in your child's life. Now, we are going to be talking about the absolute need to report when something goes wrong. and. My intention is to slowly build the understanding of what it is that you need to understand of how difficult this molestation concept is, that you will not have to be convinced or be pushed in any way that reporting has to happen immediately when something or someone is being molested. Have a great night.
0: (laughs) Khazde go goday loloi ve hitaletu nashi mi shi yo zachtiyu ki khazde kho ki khazde go goday loloi mishi mishi yo'lda